Honey, load up your questions and pick up your sticks and your stones. And pretend I'm a shelter for heartaches that don't have home. What's going on? Michael Lee, back from almost the dead, I guess. I know it's been like 28 years since I did a last podcast. And I have no excuses other than I've been busy and lazy, hunting, fishing, loving every day, and uh, this thing called coronavirus. It's been a lot of fun, I'll tell you what. So I've been thinking about how to do this thing podcast-wise and make it better, make it maybe more entertaining or whatever for all both of y'all to listen you know, to this thing. Um, and I thought I'd just start with who I am, where I'm from, what I do. Just for everybody that out there that listens that don't know, don't know Backwoods Life, don't know me, don't know anything about anything, um, that may run across this thing and maybe you'll like who I am and what we do and maybe you don't, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter to me, I guess. I'm just a grown-ass man trying to do my thing in this world and have a little fun while I'm doing it be marketable, build a company, build a brand, live my life, and just, you know, do what I do. So anyway, with all that being said, a quick catch up. I had coronavirus. My wife had coronavirus. Uh, Been about a little over three weeks now since we first had symptoms. And if you talk to your health department, you have first, when you first have symptoms, it's 10 day quarantine. So I did that. The only time I went out was to get tested a few days after symptoms. Lost my taste, lost my smell. You could have put a dog turd under my nose and I wouldn't have known it was there. That's how bad this thing was. Um, I still feel some of the effects. I get tired easy. have some days where I'm just really, really worn out um, from doing stuff. But my energy's getting back. I've been popping vitamins like I'm a crackhead on the side of the street. Trying to get my energy back up. Just back to normal. Um, The worst part for me was the sinus congestion and the sinus pressure. So, I mean, I know a lot of y'all out there have uh, had this thing, and it's not a lot of fun. I mean, I know one of my good friends, he was in the hospital for a little bit, and he's, he's doing fine now, thank God. And some of my friends have had a tough battle with it. Some said they didn't have a symptom at all but tested positive, and some said it was like having the flu for a couple of days. But mine was a little more prolonged. It was kind of, it wasn't like terrible. I mean, I wasn't like I'm going to die or anything. Didn't really have a cough or chest stuff. I mean, just a little bit of. <clears throat> there as I cough a little, little tightness in my chest from time to time but I, I mean I was all jacked up on medicine so I think a lot of that had to do with, with some of the stuff that was going on but anyway it made things better I'm still here still kicking along back doing the podcast thing and I actually thought about re- resurrecting the angle of this my random talking for 20 minutes as I do these things um, during corona downtime if you will and thank God it hit this time of the year. And if I had to get it, this was a great time because it's not turkey season yet. I was on the end of deer hunts. I had one more deer hunt that I had to actually cancel because of it. But I just got back from Texas. We had a great hunt out there with our friends Bonnie and Mike, Legends of the Fall. Killed a couple of real nice bucks to finish out basic deer season for us. Had a good year because I know I hadn't recorded any of this on podcast-wise for months now. So... I don't know how many deer I shot. I think I killed eight bucks this past fall. Texas, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Georgia, Alabama. 
check all of them off the list. I hit I hit all of them and, and did good. I tagged out with two bucks here in Georgia, two ten points. So I was real proud of those on my family farm and on our lease. Um, I didn't kill any giant bucks this year, but I had a lot of fun. Killed some really good deer, you know, 120, 130 class deer. Just had a good time. So that's what hunting's all about. That's what I'm all about. And if you know me, that's all I care about. Having a good time, hanging out with my friends, my family, good people. That's 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 what we should all do. Don't worry about how big things are. Don't worry about how big deer are. Just go have a good time. Stay away from the coronavirus and uh, enjoy the outdoors. So, I'm, I'm talking with my hands and there's nobody here but me. How stupid is that? You've you been around people like that? Like, you know, the, if you tied their hands together, they couldn't talk. I, don't know, I guess I'm that way even when nobody's here. So, it is what it is. And I am what I am. Let's change direction on this thing. So, <clears throat> for those who don't know me, I grew up in a little town called Cordell, Georgia. Well, really on the Lake Blackshear over on the Flint River. Uh, Mom and Dad, we lived there. Well, actually, I lived on our family farm until I was five. Then we moved to Lake Blackshear on some more family land. We lived there until graduated high school, went to college in Tipson, Georgia at ABAC. Abraham Baldwin, Baldwin Agricultural College is what it was at that time. And um, went there, played some sports. Um, moved to Valdosta, went to Valdosta State University. And here I am, just north of Valdosta in a little town called Hayhira, Georgia, uh, where I've been ever since we moved here. But grew up on the family farm and <laughs> some, I was thinking about my grandfather, a lot the when I was last time I was up at the farm and uh, you know he he passed away golly it's probably been 12 13 years ago and uh he was my buddy I mean most of my grandfathers passed away within six months of each other it was a really really rough time in my life um I was actually 30 years old or 30 31 that was a rough year I mean to lose both of them at the same time pretty much um it was hard they they we, they took me fishing they took me hunting um, I, I enjoyed that until the very last chance I could with them. And, it, you know, as you, you can only be so lucky to have all of your family hierarchy, if you will, in your life to, you know, enjoy that, especially what we do outdoors. I mean, that's, that's what our world revolved around. I mean, it still does. Obviously, that's what I do. But even growing up, I mean, it was fishing. It was hunting. It was, you know, you played sports just because it was fun, and that's what you did too. But you're... You were, I was brought up to enjoy the outdoors, respect the outdoors. I was taught to use a firearm at a young age and no safety there. And I really, I wish more people in this world could see that. I'm not saying everybody needs to grow up on a farm and be a, quote, redneck and all this stuff. I mean, if you don't live in the city and 48th floor apartment, hey, good for you. I don't have no problem with that. But you need to respect those of us that do live in the outdoors that provide for our families like we were brought up doing. So when I say the family farm, I mean, we, you know, a couple hundred acres. Granddad grew up and I, I learned to farm. I mean, we didn't have like farming wise, like you see nowadays with giant tractors and implements and all this stuff. I mean, we really had old equipment and went out there and did everything by hand. And I, and I was thinking the other day, uh, as I was riding around looking at stuff and <clears throat> just reminiscing on, on when we grew up, my cousin Matthew and I, we, we were the only two of our 
male cousins on my dad's side of the family that lived there close to the farm. And I remember we'd be out of school, say like, uh, you know, President's Day or Fourth of July, maybe Martin Luther King Day. I mean, any, any of those days where you basically get just like one day out of school, you're sitting at home. And this was back before the time of cell phones, you know, anything like that. This was basically you had that phone stuck on the wall with a long cord so you could hope to talk, for, talk on it in your bedroom. And so we're, you have a day out of school and the phone would ring and, you know, parents would answer whatever and it'd be my grandfather, my granddaddy. What's Michael doing tomorrow? He called me Mikey. Little, I was little Mikey and I was never little. There's nothing about me little. I'm a big dude. Um, but what's Mikey doing tomorrow? He's out of school? Yeah. Let me talk to him. And the call went one of two ways. Either we're going to do something really cool, really fun, or I was fixing to work my butt off. And so it was a roll of dice. Like, what you, you, what you doing tomorrow? Uh, let me think about this. Do I have plans? Do I not have plans? It's my grandfather, you know. I want to help him, but hopefully we're going fishing or we're going hunting. And then, if you're, and then he's like, all right, we, I'll pick you up in the morning. We're going to go fishing. Jackpot. Heck yeah. We're in. Or it was going to be, I need your help on the farm tomorrow. And you're in then. You're sucked in. You have you can't get out. It's granddaddy. You got to go. Okay. So he'd either come get me or, or whatever. And Matthew and I, or sometimes me, whoever, <clears throat> we were running fence. We would cut down trees like that was one of the, the worst things we ever had to do was cut pine trees down i mean i'm not talking about little pine trees i'm talking big pine trees full-size grown longleaf pines and then granddaddy would get the chainsaw cut those down and cut them in sections that were wide enough for his what called a pulpwood wagon and it's basically a looks like two gold posts on the end of a trailer that hold these logs on there and matthew and i being you know 13, 15, whatever, he's a little older than me, we would have to pick these logs up and put them on this trailer and stack them as high as we could until we couldn't get any higher than the tractor. We'd have a a, a pick, basically, that would pick these things up. We'd have to hold the ends and put these things on this log, log trailer. And that, that's what we did. And then in the summer, it was watermelons. And my dad was involved in that when he'd take a week or off of work and, man, we worked in the watermelon fields. And thinking back on that, I mean, I wouldn't change a thing at the time. Sometimes I did hate it because it would be either be really cold or really hot. And just, I mean, it's manual labor. And basically, you're just doing it just to do it. It's not like it's a paid position that you got minimum wage and benefits and stuff like that. It's freaking you do it because you got food to eat, clothes on your back, roof over your head. <clears throat> and we didn't complain. We just did it. It's just what we do. But going back, I think that really taught me work ethic because... Don't get me wrong, we all get that teenage years and, you know, you want to sleep till 10, 11 o'clock every day. You stay up all night, whatever, and <clears throat> just you basically want to be lazy. And, I mean, I had my days like that, but most of the time, you know, I had structure. I had to do things. I mean, I played sports, so it, it, you got to school on time. You had to make good grades. You couldn't miss class. You couldn't be out of school because you couldn't play sports. So, And I was all in baseball and, and, and did that for years and years. So you had to do all these things to get to do what you love to do. But whenever that wasn't going on, it was work. I mean, it was working in the woods and working on the farm. And you get to go fishing and hunting and all that stuff that I love to do today. So I think growing up on a farm lifestyle and my other grandfather owned a cotton gin. And so I, I worked for him too. 
and I actually got paid for that one. But, um, I mean, I, I learned work ethic from my dad and my grandfathers, my uncles, because that's just what you're supposed to do. Um, I took pride in making them see that I could do it. Um, and I had to learn the ropes and I had to learn how to do what to do. And, and, and I had to learn how not to be lazy. And it's hard sometimes because you're a kid. You're just trying to do what you want to do. And sometimes you don't want to do anything, but you had to. But my gratification was them being proud of me. And, I, you know, we didn't have a family dynamic with the males that were like, oh, you did a great job. Let me pat you on the back, give you a hug and all this kind of stuff. It was like, all right, cool. See you tomorrow. You know, it was, we got it done. And it was we, you know. So to me, that's where we've gone wrong in a lot of this world is everybody wants a pat on the back. It's it's nice to feel appreciated. It's nice to say, hey, you did a good job. But we say you did good job or whatever nowadays when, when it's not true. I mean, and we're giving people participation trophies and all this kind of jazz that people talk about. But to me, it's you need to be rewarded when there's a reward to be given, not just giving you a reward because everybody's supposed to get one. Um, and I could go down this wormhole for, for hours about how every, everything is today in my mind. And I don't have kids. <clears throat> Probably not going to have kids because I'm 43. And it's one of those things where <clears throat> I always think back, like, could I have made a difference in, in something with teaching what I know? And I try to. I mean, I've got you know, friends with kids that call me Uncle Michael or whatever, and, and they're great kids, and I try to, you know, help them wherever I can, teach them whatever. But I'm not there. I mean, I'm not in somebody's everyday life to teach these things that I learned. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I feel bad for that some because, you know, don't have a kid to pass kind of everything on to or whatever. But, like, hey, that's God's plan. It ain't mine. It's just how the, how the thing's laid out. But um, growing up on a farm... And, and I know a lot of y'all listening to what I'm saying, hear this, probably haven't been in that kind of environment, you know, at least family or friends, if not you directly per se. And some of y'all probably are way more farm oriented than I am, probably still doing it. And that's awesome. But I think a lot of these things teach you how to be successful in life and what you do because you don't have the option to quit. Like if you quit, you're quitting on your family. You're quitting on your dad. You're quitting on your grandfather. And, man, you can't do that. Like, you're, you're giving up on, on life if you get quit on your family. And I get it. There's different environments that may be, you know, a lot tougher than, than what I had. Um, but at the same time, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know, maybe this is the way this coronavirus thing works. Maybe all of us that have this and make it through it, we're going to be, you know, better off for it. I don't know. I hope so. Maybe not, but that's the way I got to look at life. Like everything you go through makes you better for some reason. And that's how it should be. So that's one side of the family. That's, that's my dad's side. That's my grandfather, Lee, granddaddy Lee, tough as nails. Man be out there working in with a chainsaw or whatever, cut himself, wrap it up, keep going. I mean, just there wasn't no quit. Uh, he and I, Actually, the year he passed away at 87, um, I think something, I think that was right, 87, not or 87 years old. The January before that, 
he and I quail hunted together for the last time. And he was right there with me walking along, you know, doing his thing. And I tell this story and some people probably don't believe me, but I was there. But <laughs> uh, he and I both went out. I was shooting a 28 gauge and these were, you know, plantation quail hunt where they, they do put the birds out and stuff. So these aren't wild quail. So, you know, not going that route with all the great wing shooters of the world, but granddaddy and I were there and I had one box of shells and he had one box of shells. That's it. So that's, that's 50 shot shells between the two of us. We killed 48 birds and I missed twice. That's how I'm going to close this thing out. That's the, that's the man that I hunted with, fished with, miss him every day. He was proud of me. I was proud of him. Y'all have a good week. Hope y'all tune in next time. We'll get on the other side of the family. Get some history out of the way. Have some more fun. Appreciate y'all listening.